Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to this episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. Today, we'll be talking about transition to retirement. And I'm Maralka Barian-Skelsey, Mohs Surgeon at Georgetown University, Washington, D.C., and I am thrilled to have two wonderful dermatologists with us today to discuss this topic. I am thrilled to welcome Mary Maloney, who is founding chair of dermatology at the University of Massachusetts Chan School of Medicine, and is have been it's been a prolific academician and role model for many of us in Mohs surgery. With us also is an incredible speaker and dermatologist, Dr. Steve Shama, who joined the AAD in 1978 and retired 10 years ago, but is a professional speaker and a prolific writer as well. So thank you both for being with us. And I wanted to ask you first, Mary, if you had some thoughts of when should somebody think about retirement and when not to think about retirement? Well, let me start with when not to think about retirement. I am in the position of being part-time now. And so I'm sort of neither fish nor fowl, if you will. And there are days when I say, oh, I just don't want to go to work. Or there may be a political situation at work. And this happened to me just just a few weeks ago. I woke up cranky, thought, you know, what am I doing? Put on my scrubs, got to work, walked in, saw my very first patient. And within five minutes, I'm doing my little happy dance down the hall and, and humming Sweet Caroline. And I said, okay, I'm not quite ready to retire all the way. I'm still having too much fun. And so I think it's really important to listen to that aspect of it. If, because if you're really still having fun, find a way to bring your practice into the things that give you joy. So what doesn't give me joy is uh, inpatient consultations, and I'm not doing those. But what does give me joy is surgery and Mohs and interacting with my colleagues. So I'm doing that part-time, and I still feel very, very engaged. I think that there are some real times to think it is time to retire, and I know Steve does also, but I'll give you just a couple of mine. First of all, if you have a physical impairment, which really makes it hard or difficult to get up, get down, be in an active clinic and, and do the work. What's really important for all of us is to make sure that we are not fooling ourselves, that we are still physically competent. And it is really important to have a good friend and be able to ask them if they see something that has slipped or fallen for you. Many institutions give competency tests once you reach a certain age. I personally think everyone should have a competency test for mental competency because even some of our younger colleagues can have impairment issues. For those institutions which don't do that, and that, those seem a little difficult to do, but probably are, are worthwhile. You need to have a friend who you swear 
to tell you when you are not competent to practice. Because I think most of us can fool ourselves that we're still doing fine. And of course, if you've lost interest and you go to work and you're grumpy and you've lost the love of learning, it really means you need to go someplace else and find joy in learning something new and doing something new. And quite honestly, I think all of us should be having significant interests outside of our medical practice because we don't want to be unidimensional and we want to have a place where we are going to make an impact and feel good about ourselves outside of medicine when we retire. Steve, you have seen a lot of physicians over the years who have retired or are thinking about retirement. Is the changing landscape of practice having an impact on when people are looking into retirement? Yeah, I don't think there's any question, but the answer is yes, things are changing in medicine. Now, remember, I've been away from medicine for 10 years, but I've spoken to a lot of my colleagues. It's a toxic environment for many people. You know, the burnout rate in dermatology, which is the lowest burnout rate among physicians in general, is 30%. So one out of three physicians, dermatologists are saying, I'm not happy with dermatology anymore. I can't take the stress, can't take the restrictions. And you know what Mary didn't add, although I love being on the same platform with Mary, is she didn't mention that retirement is not a 65-year-old kind of guy or gal who says it's time because that's traditionally, it can happen at any age when you want to transition to something else. So I give permission to any of my colleagues who are listening to this dialogue to say, it's my time to say goodbye. When it's not fun anymore, as Mary said, when you don't really enjoy your office anymore, or when you're not happy. And I truly believe that most of us deserve to be happy, although happiness is not one of our major values. We just don't value happiness. It's like, how much can I work? How much can I earn? How many patients can I save? How many good things can I do in the world? But how about taking care of you? The other thing is your family, especially your kids may say, Daddy, you're not happy anymore. You don't smile anymore. You get angry too easily. That's a sign too. And let me tell you two cute things that made me realize it was time for me to retire. At the age of about 65, I wrote to myself a sticky note in between patients on a busy day. I don't want to die on the job. I just wrote it, realizing, whoa, is this my exit? Well, I just, they find me dead one day on a Friday afternoon, all my notes being taken care of. And then he's dropped dead on a job. That wasn't the scenario. That wasn't the play that I would write for myself. And the last thing is someone had asked me when I, what I would do on a weekend, they wanted to know what the doctor does. And I answered, I usually work. How about a week when you take off on a vacation? Where do you go? And I said, I had a little bit more trouble thinking that one out, but I got some answer. And then she said, what do you do when you take two weeks off? What does the doctor do? And I immediately knew the answer. If I ever took two weeks off, I'd never come back. And I realized that was my exit. I can't take it anymore. And so at that point in time, I started to make my exit. It wasn't fun anymore. If he gave me too much fun, I wouldn't come back. So how did you know that, that you were emotionally ready? What were the implications of retirement? Mary suggested this uh, before, but emotionally ready is very, very important. Dermatology is what I did. It wasn't who I am. It was never who Steve Shama was. I was always a speaker. I was always a carer for other people. I always wanted to make the world a better place. And I could do that in any capacity. So if I left dermatology, my self-worth wouldn't be left in the practice. Dermatology was what I did, not who I was. 
And what would I do in my free time? I had lots of things. Mary suggested this. You have hobbies. You have passions. Maybe I could teach dermatologists and not necessarily run a practice. I could write. I could teach. I could take travel. I had all these kinds of things that I never gave myself permission to do because doing was what I valued. And that is what happened over a 40-year practice to say, it's time to start enjoying yourself, Steve Shama, and your life as opposed to giving to other people. Mary, are you seeing people that retire sooner than they might normally retire because it's simply the practice environment? And is the question really what kind of a practice environment would be conducive to a longer career? I think many times that people do rather burn out, if you will, although that's a term that gets so overused, with running the details of a practice, hiring and firing and filing the papers. And I think that some people actually have found moving to an academic practice from a private practice sort of remove some of the real hassly nitty-gritty components of a private practice. It may be why some people move to private equity also. Let someone else deal with government policies, laws, regulations, and do the fun part, which is seeing patients and making sure that you make a difference to their lives. And if that frees you up, it doesn't mean you have to practice full-time. It certainly can be that you can practice one day, two days, uh, and still make a huge impact, both for your happiness and for some patients that you care about. Um, but I do agree with Steve. The most important thing is that we are happy and that we don't die at work finishing that last note, that we can look at our lives and have a great measure of satisfaction with what we've done and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I think what you said earlier about having other interests will resonate with a lot of people. However, what I see is that there's not a lot of time for other interests because everybody is stretched so much you know, with their work and keeping up with the literature and taking care of their families. Where do people have enough time to have these outside interests? I think it's one of the crucial things. Like we all must exercise. We know that's part of, of a healthy lifestyle. We all must get seven hours of sleep, which is crucial for being your very best. And we all must find things that give us huge joy. Um, and they may be little things and they may be things that grow over time. But I do think that we have to fight being unidimensional. You know, I wanna add something to what Mary has just said. Find a buddy or a budette, you know, find <laughs> a spouse, a kid and say, who is daddy? Who is mommy? What do you love most about mommy and daddy? I love when we're going on a picnic, daddy. I want to go on more picnics. I want you to take me to a ball game more often and come close to a tear. Find someone who can actually make you cry when they're telling you how wonderful you are as a person, not necessarily as a workaholic. And, and patients saying, oh, you're wonderful, Dr. So-and-so. What can I do without you? Please never retire. 
whoa, watch that person who loves you so much that wants you to keep you in a miserable situation. I mean, if the misery index is so large, uh, then you got to say goodbye. Get Again, find someone and say, hey, you know what? I'm not the happiest guy in the world today. What should I do? And they'll tell you what you're great at. Great at speaking, great at writing, great at doing a project somewhere, more habitat for the humanities, traveling across the world through AAD-sponsored support to places where you could be the doctor in Africa for a week or two and then go somewhere else for a week or two. In the meantime, enjoying your thing. One of the things I wanted to discuss is can you financially, because someone says, well, I can't afford to do this. I, I'm too young to do this. I'm 65, but my financial advisor said I have to work another five years to put enough money in that will earn interest to keep me going until I'm 95, okay? As if you want to live to 95. And my suggestion is for that person who's just been told that they have to put another million dollars to live until they're 95, so you have to work another five years for that, be careful because what they're basically saying to you is that you want to live in the same way, the same house, the same car for the rest of your life. And that would be like $125,000 a year to live the same way. I asked that question to my financial advisor before I retired. And she said, well, that's what you need. You need a million dollars for, and you'd have to work for another five years. And I said, well, what happens if I just downsize and work $75,000 a year? That's all I want to generate as opposed to 125,000. She said, well, you could retire now. So all I had to do is change my value literally my values in terms of where I wanted to live. And I had enough money stored up to live at the rate of $75,000 a year. So I'd have to sell my house. But at that point in time, I said to myself, you know, that may not be a bad idea. Cash me out, lady. Tell me what I have to do. <laughs> and so watch that figure that people tell you about. This is what you need to live the same way you're living now. But the way you're living now is you're miserable. You're unhappy. You've lost your smile. How do you get that back? I'm looking at Mary right now because we're doing this on Zoom, and she's my buddy there. She's smiling. We always smile when we're together because we realize that what we're talking about is both of us, I think, realize that for a physician to really, 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 really do good, they got to love their patients. They got to really smile. They got to be happy. They want to support them. And the way you do that is to be happy yourself first. What's been your greatest joy during retirement? My greatest joy in retirement is to constantly think about things that I used to think about before and continually give the talks that I've given at the AAD and other organizations around the country about what makes me happy, about retirement, about how to deal with difficult people and look forward to them, which is what I've done at the Academy for many years, presentation skills, how to present yourself in the best kind of way. So I've constantly reinvented myself as a professional speaker, as you mentioned, and spending time with my family. But I never valued that as much until I realized that at the age of 65, I wasn't as happy as I really, really, really wanted to be. Do you wish you retired earlier? The answer is, no, it's okay that I, I retired at 65. I have no regrets at that. But it's an interesting question. Could I have retired? I would have done something else in my life as opposed to dermatology. That's probably what I would have done. I could have done a lot of things in my life. I didn't have to be a physician, although I'm very grateful. And the Academy has been one of the most supportive organizations that I've ever been associated with. They've been a lovely, lovely. They've, they've established a family for all of us to have a good home and to support us and to allow, I say that respectfully, 
dialogues to talk about these kinds of things. Like if you're not happy, what, what organization medicine says, if you're not happy, it's time to say goodbye and gives you permission to have these kinds of discussions. We have them all the time at the Academy. Permission to say, I'm not happy. I need to change my life. Everyone should always ask them, am I still happy? And if you're not, talk to Steve Shamit, talk to Mary <laughs> Moore, talk to you. Life doesn't go on forever, even though many of us think it does. At the age of 65, I mean, if you're lucky, I got 25 years left, 25 years, 75, 85, 90, right? 25 years. And then hopefully it's in good health. And so when are you going to say it's time to say I should transition to when I'm happy almost all the time and it's not burdensome? If you're having fun in dermatology, stay and die on the job. But if it becomes it's okay, which I get from some of my colleagues, I said it can never be just okay. It's got to be beautiful. It's got to be joyful. And you can make the changes that Mary suggested in terms of working part-time. Did you ever regret it, Steve? Like after a few months of retirement, did you have any second thoughts about it? Not a moment. No, I had two years of I don't want to die on the job. And what do I do? <laughs> no, I was absolutely certain that my decision was a good one. I put in 30 years of good, honest, taking care of people. And now I take care of people by giving my talks. By having a conversation with you and Mary about the kinds of things that bring me joy. So I'm constantly doing good things for the world, which was my theme ever since I've been a little boy. You know, That's wonderful. No, it's, it's such a gift. And so I'm going to slowly cut down. I'm a slow mover. I clean by taking three things off my desk and the next day three things. So I'm going to cut down a half a day and then another half day and then I'll finally be done. I'm squeaking out. <laughs> you do i'm sure um, in one day what the rest of us do in a week but have you seen people who have retired from retirement or rebounded mm -hmm. yes absolutely and what they've done is found that dermatology did make them really really happy and so they come back but they change how they come back they change by getting rid of the things they didn't like and come back on their own terms. And I find that very exciting that they can sort of put some barriers around so that they are happier. They are their happiest. Happiest self. Steve, you had talked a little bit about the financial implications of retiring. Getting to that point in terms of the nitty gritty, how does somebody go about looking for that next step for their practice? Yeah, I actually, before we did this talk, now I looked at the Academy website. If you look under the tab career development, joining or selling a practice, and how do you know what your practice is worth? That's where I would suggest people look. It's very, very good. And it's very simple to understand. You can go to a financial advisor. You can go to a practice evaluator. And for a relatively small amount of money, they could look at what your earnings are, what your expenses are. And, and figure out what your practice is worth and what it would be worth for uh, a private practice to own a new resident coming out or a private equity or a, a firm to buy them out. And if you think, well, my practice isn't worth very much, it is because I sold my practice and knew what it was worth and sold it to a private firm that owned many other dermatology practices. And I knew approximately how to bargain. And I knew that my phone number was worth money. My reputation was worth money. My referral base was worth money. All those things. You're not just a guy or a gal working on a street corner. 
you are worth something. And it's without a question worth going to someone who can officially evaluate your practice and say, this is what it's worth. This is what I would look and then start advertising to some people who can do it. And if you think you're not making very much money, like it's only $200,000 a year, these private equity firms know how to mine, M-I-N-E, you for cosmetics. So they see profit in any patients anywhere. And again, just never cut yourself short and know that your practice is worth money. Well, thank you for that. And thank you both. Any final thoughts on either the process or the timing of retirement? I do think it's an individual decision, but I also would like to remind everyone that no decision is permanent. And so you can try cutting down, stopping work, going back and doing some work, or go to part-time and say, that's not for me, and go all the way out. So it's a journey. It's not a destination. That's great. From Montaigne Maloney, if a surgeon tells you you can go back, and all <laughs> decisions, you know, the decision is not irreversible, that's very reassuring. So thank you both again. We really appreciate your insight, your experience, and your time today. And on behalf of Dialogues in Dermatology, thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Thanks very much. Thank we hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.